Hi there. Tom D'Antoni back in the cupping room at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason in what used to be Portland, Oregon for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation number 161. Jeez. Today we've got one of the finest musicians in Oregon and beyond. He's a jazz pianist and composer, but in addition, he has been Diana Ross's pianist since 1980. Think about that for a minute. He's been all over the world with her in large and small ensembles, while at the same time maintaining a busy schedule of gigs back here. I've been as curious about his work with Diana Ross as I have enjoyed his jazz playing. So what's it like playing with Diana for so long? How did he get the gig? And all those other questions, you know. Meet George Mitchell. Thank you, Tom. Here at Northwest uh, 18th and Gleason and World Cup Coffee and Tea, our home for coffee shop conversations. Glad to have you here. Thank you. I don't think we've ever sat down and talked to each other. No, we haven't. Yeah. I've, we've certainly seen each other on the scene of <laughs> like a million times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've said hello. I th- I'd say yeah. you're probably more popular than I am. I don't think so. <laughs> I think more people I, know I, you I than me. I don't think that's true. I, just <laughs> Which don't, is, is I don't think okay that's okay with me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, so, where you been? Well, uh... I didn't tour this summer. You know, I used, uh, the last yeah. two summers I was out with Diana Ross, uh-huh. and we did a bunch of touring. This yeah. this uh, year, I've been home and uh, just working locally. You know, the clubs uh-huh. and, and that sort of thing, and and some out of town things. Uh, not necessarily jazz, but uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. some out of town work. Yeah. But basically, yeah. I've been around Portland, and it's been a beautiful summer. A little hot. A little, a little smoky. <laughs> it's smoky. A little yeah. smoky, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you're going to go back out with Diana again? I, I am at the end of September, back east. Great. And uh, yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. Well, here's the thing. You know, I mean, people in Portland know, know who you are, mm-hmm. um, know your reputation as, as a great jazz musician. Well, thank you. You know, you know, in a, in a town of, those, of great jazz well, musicians, well, I appreciate you're, that. You're one of those musicians, musicians. Well, thank you. Know? you. Um, but I've never heard you talk about working with Diana Ross. Well, you know, when I play gigs, a lot of times the band leaders that I'm working for, they tell the audience that I work for. When I do my own gigs, <laughs> yeah. I never talk. <laughs> uh, but I don't mind talking about it. I mean, I've been with her for, for years. and What, it's, since it's like great. 1980? Yeah, 80, 81. Wow. Um, you know, Mel Brown got me on the gig many, uh-huh. many years ago. Uh-huh. And he uh-huh. did it for, I don't know. 15, 20 years or something, then he, he got sick of the road and, and uh, yeah. got home. Yeah. And, You're not uh, sick of the road. Well, not now because we don't do it that much, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah. it might be a month here and there. We've got two weeks, and then we have three weeks in Las Vegas, and it's only three nights a week, so I take my golf clubs. It's kind of like a <laughs> – I don't want to tell her this, but it's kind of like a vacation. Yeah, only three nights a week? Yeah, now – but I'll tell you, when I started, and Mel Brown was on the gig in the yeah. 80s, I remember Caesar's Palace, we used to do two shows a night, six oh. nights a week. Wow. And that started to feel like factory work, you know. Yeah. Uh, the comedians, Bill Maher and George Wallace and all them, I'd yeah. catch the tail end of their act, yeah. and I kind of knew their lines, you know. And I felt like a, <laughs> punching a clock as I walked into the theater. You know? That's almost vaudeville. Exactly. You know, except I think, I think they did five or six shows a day. Oh, yeah, that's, that's brutal. <laughs> But, yeah, really exciting years, you know. Uh, huh? I remember Sammy Davis came to a show, and Phil Baker was playing bass, and he played uh-huh. 
some Charlie Parker quote, and, uh-huh. and Sammy says to him, yeah, I dug your solo. I could relate to it jazz-wise. <laughs> he was probably the only guy that caught the Charlie Parker quote. Anyway. Somebody but, put up um, uh, a, a video the other day of Sammy Davis Jr. playing drums. I saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, he's fantastic. Isn't that incredible? He plays sort of one-finger piano, but his yeah. drum, <laughs> drumming's pretty good. <laughs> no, he was, he was a super talented guy. I yeah, mean, yeah, come on, tap dancing, yeah, drumming. Yeah. So singing where, everything. Where, where was where was your first gig with Diana Ross? Tell, tell, I'll tell you about it. that. Yeah, it was in Atlantic City at uh, Resorts International. Oh yeah. And quite frankly, I was a nervous wreck. Everybody was a Why nervous wreck. Why wouldn't you be? Right, because <laughs> we didn't rehearse. You know, oh. I was. It was kind of like an audition. Oh man. And and you know I. I did my homework. I listened to recordings and, and that. But a lot of the music they sent to me, they weren't doing any longer. So that was sort of a waste of time. <laughs> and the, as the gig started off, mm-hmm. I could tell she was pretty nervous. And I thought to myself, man, you better get get it together. Otherwise, you're out of here. She was yeah. nervous about the new band? Well, no, I think me, you know. You? I mean, oh, because oh, the, oh. the guy that had been playing for her was a pianist named Marty Harris. And Marty was an older jazz piano player, uh-huh. great player from L.A. Yeah. And they'd been together for a while, and she was uh-huh. used to, yeah. you know, any artist, they get used to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did was I had recordings of Marty, and I uh, stole or copped. Yeah. some of the stuff that he played and I kind of played it over and over and then she got real comfortable uh-huh. and at the end of the week I kind of walked by her dressing room and she she asked me in uh-huh. and uh, I said oh how are you doing Diane and she's uh, hey, really good you know I, I can tell you've done your homework and, uh-huh. and you know you, you've really done a great job and I'd like you to stay with me and I, I just I was like Oh my God! You know, perspiration off my the four, because really, I mean, I thought, oh man, I'm I'm blowing this. I'm not going to last, and, and you know, would have been, <laughs> I wouldn't have told anybody, but it would have been embarrassing, right? So, and that's kind of how it began, and then I kind of stuck, and uh-huh. I have stuck to things that I know make her comfortable. Like what? Well, just certain licks, certain introductions to songs. Uh-huh. I don't change like Marty varied it much more, and uh-huh. maybe she got used to it. Uh, I don't vary it that much. Maybe within the song, once we get going, I'm yeah. not gonna. I don't want to be like a robot, right. especially on you know the Billie Holiday tunes or whatever. Right. But certain introductions and things, I play them pretty much the same because she is for, first and foremost a pop singer. Right. You know. So and that's right. kind of what's going on there now. Jazz, you know, strictly a, like uh, you know Nancy King or somebody, mm-hmm. they want. They want it fresh every night. They don't want to hear the same thing every right. night. You right. know, they're not going to sing it the same way every night. Correct. You know? but, so, do, but I guess if uh, if somebody's coming to see Diane, they just they they do want to hear the hits. Well, there's that, and those things are just off the record. I, I guess yeah. what I'm talking about is some of the more jazz oriented uh-huh. things because uh-huh. we did more of that back then. Yeah. yeah, the other things, her songs like "Touch Me in the Morning" or "The uh-huh. Supremes." That stuff's all pretty set. You just play it like yeah. the record, pretty much. And, uh-huh. And everybody goes home happy. We, you know, we yeah. leave the stage happy. Right? Know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, why not? Exactly. Why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm not going to re. I'm not going to show my creativity on yeah. baby love. <laughs> Listen to my reharmonizations and rhythmic variety. No, it's not going to happen. Um. So, uh, 
It, who was was Mel in that band that first time? Yeah, no, well, Mel had played with the uh, well the, with the Supremes yeah. previous to that, the Four Tops and the Temptations. Temptations, yeah. So when Marty Harris uh, left and he was going to go with Tom Jones, they were looking for huh. somebody. Was Bobby Torres with Tom Jones at that time? He probably was. <laughs> I mean, I was. I just played it's with a Bobby. Really small world. <laughs> it is. I didn't know Bobby back then, and, uh-huh. and he, you know, he also worked with Joe Cocker, and I was talking to him sure. about about a documentary on. And I've got a story about Joe Cocker, too. Okay. That, that, I don't know if you want to hear that now. Yes, I, actually, oh, okay. absolutely. So I was playing solo piano at the Heathman Hotel, <laughs> you know, just background stuff. And this yeah. guy comes in with a, a baseball ball cap on or like a you know, golf cap or whatever. And he sits down and I'm playing along and I look at this guy. I'm thinking, oh, is this kind of a homeless guy that walked up the street? <laughs> and then I continue to look at him. Uh-huh. I thought, hey, he looks familiar to me. I thought, God, that guy looks like Joe Cocker. So I mo- motioned to one of the uh, waiters to come over to the piano. Uh-huh. I said, uh, "Excuse me, is is that Joe Cocker?" And he says, "Yes, it is." I said, "Well, what's he what's he doing in town?" Well, he's opening for Tina Turner over at the. Oh yeah. You know when uh-huh. Tina was huge. Yeah. I said, "Cool," you know. So he left. So I slip in. You are so beautiful. <laughs> and I see Joe take his hat and he pulls it down over his eyes. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'm going to stop doing that. I just told my wife this story the other day. You know, because he wanted to be yeah. incognito, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if Bobby had been there, I'm sure Bobby would have introduced me. I didn't yeah. bother the guy because yeah. I thought... Yeah. He just wants to relax and yeah. he doesn't want to be hassled. So I had Bobby in here. Um, TCM ran the director's cut of Woodstock. Mm. And, of course, Joe Cocker was in that. Of course, yeah. The famous tune. They were there. Which, in which Bobby does not appear. Right. Right. And But Bobby was there. And I, he I, was there. And, yeah. and I just thought, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I mean, I've interviewed Bobby a lot and, and talked to him and everything, but I've never heard him talk about Woodstock. So I brought him in here and talked about all, all and he just had 80 million great stories about being at Woodstock. Well, I talked with Bobby yesterday because I had done a, yeah. a gig down at the River Space with him. It was an anniversary party, and, uh-huh. and uh, he told me that he didn't like the documentary out on Netflix, which I just watched oh, on uh-huh. Joe. And yeah. so I asked him, and I don't want to go into that. But Bobby can tell you about that, yeah. but he yeah. just didn't think it represented Joe that accurately. Well, and I didn't, I didn't realize how close they were. Exactly, I didn't either. Yeah. And he told me yeah. that that yeah. they were yeah. like brothers. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bobby's great, you know, and I. Uh, <laughs> I love, you know, that music. I mean, when I started to getting into jazz, of course, Vince Guaraldi was big yes. for me. And uh-huh. and he, along with Cal Jader, played a lot of Afro-Cuban music yes. as well as Brazilian. So I've yeah. always, from an early age, loved uh-huh. that music. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, with Bobby... Bobby will also take pop tunes and, and turn them into Latin, which right. is cool because I enjoy yeah. that as well, you yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, the other stuff is like Eddie Palmier and Tito Puente, sure. and straight up Latin jazz. And, sure, sure. You know, I love all that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun. So, so um, when, did you, when did you start playing? Well, I, mean, I started piano when I was eight. Wow. I studied with a guy named Fred Sanchez locally. He was uh-huh. just starting up. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I showed enough musical ability on harmonica or something. Uh, so that was my first teacher. I went to a Catholic school, uh, uh, a nun, Marie Steiner, who's now Marie Felipe. She uh-huh. got married and yeah. still hasn't been a nun for years. Happens. All classical, uh-huh. you know, Bach, Beethoven, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, then got into jazz. Did you perform that in, in, in concert? Classical music? Yeah. Uh, I did. I did recitals and things like that. that. Right? I even did it at a competition, which... I'm sorry to say I didn't do very well. Oh, uh, mostly because of nerves, you know. It's uh-huh. just so stressful. You uh-huh. know, they're uh-huh. cri- you know critiquing every little note and phrase, and yeah. that world is not for me. <laughs> Although I enjoy the music, yeah, performing it is just ugh, it's too stressful. Right. <laughs> sorry, you can't improvise. You can't improvise, and uh, yeah, more so than jazz or other styles. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they're really listening to every note. The training is great, though, and and uh-huh. all the jazz pianists, the really truly great ones, all played classical music. Sure, sure. You know, sure. And and it shows in their technique. Uh, there's a video of Chick Corea and Keith Jarrett playing Mozart together, <laughs> and they can do it. You know, they're great. Uh, <laughs> Let me ask you something. Does Keith still squeal when he plays Mozart? Uh, you know, I didn't hear him squeal when he played Mozart. I don't think he, I think only when he improvises he does that, yeah. Anyway, I met him once, too. The, that yeah. was interesting. He was uh, difficult to talk to, but I, he did. Uh, tell me about it. Did, did you talk I did, to him? I did, did an hour on the radio with him one time. Uh, just to, like him at his home in it New was Jersey a phone, or something? It was a phoner. Phoner, you know, uh-huh. And yeah. uh, I asked him... Um, what what? First of all, he was complaining right to me sure. about people who bought his albums yep. and took them home, particularly the Cullen concert. Right? Yep, and and he didn't like the fact that they would put the album on and then do their house cleaning. <laughs> and I said to him, "What what do you think people do with your music when they take it home?" And he right. said, I've, "I've never thought about that." Yeah, well, unless it's a musician Whoa. or somebody real, you know, yeah. is going to sit there and actually listen to the thing. And I still have a copy of that on vinyl. Sure, me too. Uh, it's yeah. fabulous. That side three is one of the great, great performances I've yeah. ever heard. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. One thing he was griping about was, uh, well, he didn't gripe. He just said that he he, he griped. Uh, <laughs> to you, he griped. <laughs> no, he said he. Uh, he didn't mind if people were uncomfortable at his concerts. And I said, if they enjoyed your music, they should be uncomfortable. He, he says, well, when is learning ever easy? I said, oh, so you see yourself more as a teacher. I mean, I get it. He's trying to stretch yeah. the batteries and always go on to something else. And he doesn't, I don't think he particularly worries about whether people enjoy it or not. But He's Keith, distra- don't you think it could be that it's your squealing that makes them uncomfortable? <laughs> You know, it's funny. I can I can kind of tune that out. I think he's always done that, even oh, with yeah. Charles Lloyd. Sure, you sure, know. sure. Uh, another artist I like who sings a lot, along with his lines is a vibraphonist named Dave Pike. And, right. How about Dan Fanley? Well, Dan does it to a degree. I, of course, I don't I don't hear him do it. Oh, because yeah. I'm usually playing organ or something, right. so it masks right. it. You know, but does I, he? I, well, I did a TV story on him once mm-hmm. and, and 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 shot him. Um, uh, just solo, right? Sure. Just, just playing in his in his in, yeah. in his concert room, okay. in his practice room, with with a, a, a lavalier mic, right? Uh-huh. And he made the worst sounds. No kidding. But the worst of them uh, was um, Mary, remember, remember Murray Sidlin from the, uh, the Oregon Symphony? Sure. Well, mm-hmm. when he conducted, he made the most god awful sounds. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's a piano player and teacher up in. Um, up in Seattle, uh, Randy Halberstadt. Anyway, uh-huh. he wrote a book, and he talked. He says, you know, when you play 
don't sing along with your lines. <laughs> he says, you may think that it helps your hearing the lines, but don't. And he says, the reason I say that is I used to do it and I couldn't get rid of it. Huh. You know, uh, but hey, Oscar Peterson grunted and of did course. things, you know, I mean, I can tune it out to a degree. You know? <laughs> so how did you get into jazz? Well, Vince Guaraldi mainly. Uh-huh. You know, the the Peanuts things, like sure. uh, so many young people watching it, and you hear Linus and Lucy, and right. uh, Christmas is coming, and I just thought, yeah. wow, that's the most... So I bought the re- the record, or I uh-huh. went to the record store, and I said, this guy, Vince Guaraldi, because at the end of the cartoon, it says music by Vince Guaraldi. Right. Who's that, you know? So... They looked it up back then, pre-internet, you know, in a catalog. And, sure. oh, yeah, there's a book, or, I mean, a, a record, uh-huh. uh, Jazz Impressions of a Boy Named Charlie Brown. Uh-huh. But now dig that, Jazz Impressions uh-huh. of a Boy Named Charlie So I'm like, oh, is that what they call this music? Because <laughs> previous to that, I think if you had asked me, oh, do I like jazz? I would have said, no, isn't that like Glenn Miller? Right. I don't right, know what right. I would have thought, but it wasn't yeah, that. Really, really. So I picked up the Recording and there, sure enough, there's all those great songs. Uh-huh. And then I would go to there was a record store up on 82nd. It wasn't it was not completely a record store. It was a you know they had different stuff. It was just a Home Goods or whatever. I can't even think yeah. of the name of it now. Yeah. But there were several recordings at a young age that I saw, and I figured they were jazz. They looked like jazz recording. <laughs> Uh, one was Bill Evans' Simple Matter of Conviction. Oh, wow. Oscar Peterson's Put on a Happy Face. Ah. Uh, of course, Dave Brubeck, uh-huh. Time Out. All pianists. S- yeah, except Stan Getz, Sweet uh-huh. Rain, yeah. with Chick Corea on piano. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the idea. And then that right. sort of got the belt ball rolling. And then I would go... Oh, by the way, I bought the, the Vince Guaraldi uh, record at Smith's Home Furnishing on Division Street. Uh-huh. Long gone, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, they had a little record section. And so now I knew I was what I liked was jazz music. I'd go to that category in the store. Uh-huh. There'd be artists like, you know, Thelonious Monk, which right. kind of scared me. I thought, I don't think I'd like that. <laughs> you know, looking at the guy, you know. Uh, Gary Burton's quartet. Oh, yeah. You know, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that kind of got the ball rolling. And then it was just yeah. Uh, yeah. whoever I thought. Uh, another recording I had as, as a kid was Latin Man, Herbie Man. Uh-huh. Two pianists on that record, Chick Corea and Charlie Palmieri. Wow. And then a lot of other great... And and there was a sort of a Latin jazz tree, all the and all these artists that I never yeah. heard of, you know, uh, Tito Puente and uh-huh. you know whoever, you know, just this yeah. how this connection of all these. And you just jazz. soaked it in, didn't you? Yeah, you know, and just yeah, uh, yeah. And then I met a lot of local musicians, uh-huh. you know, and and uh, did you you ever heard of Buddy Fight, a guitarist? I've heard the name. He used to play in record stores, amazing really? guitar player, very <laughs> legendary. Uh-huh. Uh, he had a couple extra strings on his guitar, which he would play bass on. And I huh. would listen to him playing just beautiful. Was it an eight-string guitar? Yeah, exactly. Wow. So he'd run bass lines with his thumb and voicings. Mm-hmm. And anyway, guys like him, and, and, and I met Neil Masson, a uh-huh. drummer, and uh, uh-huh. Harry Gilgum, a pianist. Uh-huh. A lot of, uh, you know, then Pat George, a pianist, uh-huh. uh, Herbie Hall, a pianist, and then Bob Douglas, a bass player, different musicians on the scene back then, you know, and, and so that's kind of, you know, that was jazz, but, you know, I yeah. 
Also, listen to the Beatles and Rolling Stones and uh-huh. all that kind of stuff, too. So know? how old were you when, you when you had your first jazz gig? Jazz gig? Yeah. Well, uh, I was hired to play uh, a clinic with Gary Burton, believe Whoa. it or not. Yeah, I was 18, huh? really petrified because I thought, oh, my <laughs> God, these records, which I'd heard, had... Yeah. Pretty hard tunes on. Now, what, like, what 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 era, era Gary Burton are we talking about? Was he on ECM yet? No, no. He was still, this, still on RCA. This was, I mean, by the time I played with him, like let's Duster, see, those, those those albums. That's exactly right. Duster yeah, and, yeah, and uh, yeah. Lofty Fink, right. Fake Anagram, or whatever right. it's called. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So that would have been 1976. He might have been on ECM by then, but yeah, I, I wasn't aware of those I think recordings. Was. Yeah, I think he was. You yeah, know, yeah. I don't know if Matheny was with him or whatever. Yeah. I just knew yeah. the tunes were Bob hard. Moses was playing with him then. Bob Moses. Yeah. And that, that was an interesting... I was supposed to play with Bob down at the Jazz Day Opus, too, with, with uh, Rob Sheps. And oh, boy. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed, I think Alan Jones ended up playing for us, but we had a good gig. Uh, SES hit on bass. I mean, yeah. they were great players. Yeah, yeah. But at any rate, uh, yeah, that's that's another story. <laughs> but uh, we did easier songs, uh, Sugar by Stanley Turrentine and, uh-huh. and uh-huh. Blue Bossa by uh, uh-huh. the trumpet player, help me. Yeah. You know, yeah. My mind's shot. But, you know, and, and when Joe Henderson. And, and so it? there you are with Gary Burton. And when it came time for you to take your first solo... Yeah, well, you know, I got through it. I have a recording of it. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could redo all my solos. And <laughs> I wish I could play like, you know, I mean, I, I was just beginning, so well, I, yeah, I was just grateful. Course. And he was super f- nice and friendly, yeah. but, uh, yeah. you know, r- really, I mean, it should have been Tom Grant or Howard Young or Larry Dunlap or one of the more established players, you know, that would have, but I was called and yeah. that was one of the first jazz gigs. And then later, you know, when Leroy Vinegar started showing up, uh, I'd play with him. Mm-hmm. And we had a band out of college called Cruise Control, mm-hmm. included Phil Baker, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Griffith on saxophone, mm-hmm. uh, trumpet player Richard Burdell, and Rudy Petchar, Canadian drummer. Mm-hmm. And uh, What was Leroy Vinegar like to work with? He, see, because uh, when I got here, mm-hmm. it was he was... You know, he was he wasn't he wasn't in good shape. You know, right, that was right. in the, the Atwater days. I moved here in ninety seven. Yeah. And uh you know, he didn't last too very much longer. Yeah. Uh but you know, I've talked with Les McCann about him. Mm-hmm. Uh but what, what was what was he like to play with? Well I, I enjoyed it, you know, quite a bit. I would say this though, the thing I noticed about Leroy is he put the time feel and he he just put things where he wanted it, uh-huh. and and you needed to go with that. In other words, if you were feeling it in a different place, too bad. <laughs> you better get on board with where he's putting it, and that's fine. I mean, with an older, established player like yeah, that, you know, yeah. you just he, you know, look at his resume, look who he's playing with, what. Right, and look at him. Time. Yeah, look at him. I mean, he doesn't care about my time feel. Right. He cares about Hampton Oz yeah. time yeah. feel or, or whoever, you know. But no, he was he was a sweetheart and, and yeah. uh, very supportive and 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 it was I enjoyed it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and just his feel and his sound, I I appreciate it more now that I think I did then. Uh huh. You know. Yeah, I understand. But 
he was yeah. highly respected for what he brought, that yeah. time feel, his yeah. sound, right. his drive. Uh, somebody like uh, Dave Holland, for example, loved uh-huh. Uh-huh. Leroy's playing. Yeah. Uh, Red yeah. Mitchell, who mm-hmm. I never got to play with. I met him, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. everybody, Chuck Israels, I'd, I asked him, you know, how do you, and it's like, well, he was one of the cats, you know, he was. Right. He was major, you know, for what he did. Yes, yeah. You know, yeah. Could, can't be beat. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, McCann was hilarious. McCann was hilarious anyway. But, but talking about because um, they were neighbors in L.A. Oh, were they? Yeah. And uh, and he, he's, you know, uh, uh, Les doesn't pull any punches. I bet. Uh, but people, some people want to punch him. Oh. And so, so Leroy was his protector. Oh, okay. Because nobody wanted to fuck with Leroy. Yeah, so he would say <laughs> say some yeah stuff, yeah. <laughs> and then Leroy would protect right. him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not known for leading a band, though, are you? Not not too much. You know, it's, it's been a little difficult being on the road, but I do a quartet. Oh, is that because of you're on the road all the time with Diana Ross? Yeah. Because it's hard for me yeah, to book yeah, things yeah, yeah, yeah. around it. Now, I, I play it on a Rivadere cheese, and you can find uh-huh. those dates on my website. Uh-huh. And I've been using Charlie Porter on trumpet, uh, mm. Tim Gilson on bass, and uh, Dave Avera on drums. Very nice. And we play mostly standards, but uh-huh. I'll throw in some of my originals. And, but, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's... No, I love, I love leading the bands. I, I used to do an organ trio over at uh, the Joe Bar, but I'm there yeah. pretty regularly with Dan Balmer and, yeah. and Chance Hayden and Shelley Rudolph. And so. I'm there on Saturday nights spinning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I haven't booked any trio things there. I may reach uh-huh. out to Michael Gibbons there and see if I can yeah. get a date. But, yeah. you know, these yeah. book rooms book up so quickly. And, right, right. But, uh, yeah. Huh. yeah. So, um, what kind of leader are you? I mean, is there somebody that, that, that you emulate? Somebody, somebody you've worked with that, that you emulate? That I've worked with or... Yeah. Or is, is, there, is there anybody, any, any leaders that, 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 that you have taken, taken things from? Really, you know. That's a very good question. Thank I've, you. I have... <laughs> uh, there's things I've not taken from. Well, I'm, there you go. I'll tell you yeah. what I... With, with my quartet, I have, first of all, cleanly written music that's easy to read. <laughs> And I have it in... Now, some band leaders may disagree with this. I'm not that rigid about it, but I'll have pretty much set less uh-huh. because I don't want to get to the gig and start making these decisions. Uh-huh. And, oh, what do you want to play? I've been on so many gigs. Oh, yeah. well, what do you feel like playing? Or, yeah. oh, you know, there's too much dead air between right. songs. Right. And uh, I like a little bit of planning. I mean, without killing the spontaneity mm-hmm. too much, you know, leave some open ends, but... Not having tunes in the same key back to back, same feel back to back. Right, right. So beyond that, um, I mean, the players I hire, I know that they're going to do a great job on the yeah. material given. But you like to work with with, with uh, leaders who know what they want, right? Everybody does. Well, I think every yeah, yeah, definitely. And some yeah. generally, I can please band leaders. I mean, there's been a few singers. Generally, that are hard to please. Really? But you, you, with each person, you just, okay, what do they want? Do they want less? Do uh-huh. they want more? Uh-huh. You know. What about Diana Ross? Is she easy or hard to please? Uh, I'd, say, I'd say she's pretty easy to please. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she'll let you know. 
you know, oh, that's too much, that's too loud, uh-huh. whatever, and uh-huh. then lock it in. Okay, yeah, that's right. what she wants on this right. song or whatever, and just right. Right. repeat that, uh-huh. you know, and then uh-huh. then you're fine. What she she knows that you're just going to do what she wants. Then yeah, she yeah. leaves you alone. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, now, when you when you go, when you play with her. Um, uh, are, are there other musicians in that band who always play with her too, or is it? Uh, generally, yes. And they're all uh-huh. from uh, L.A. except the saxophone players from New York. Uh-huh. And uh, although lately it's been a smaller band uh-huh. and some different different background singers, and unless somebody has to sub it out, which is very rare. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a great band. Uh, the drummer is a guy named Jerry Brown, who's mm-hmm. not only played with jazz greats like uh, Stanley Clark and Chick Corea and Joe mm-hmm. Farrell, people like that, mm-hmm. a host of others. Uh, he worked with Stevie Wonder. He played with uh, Lionel Richie, uh-huh. Diana. I mean, he's wow. a great, yeah, great drummer, uh, jazz and R and B. But on gigs like that, it's more R and B than jazz. So you have to have that groove and feel. And yeah. he just yeah. lays it in there. You know, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Is it what, what? What is the difference for you playing in a big room like in Vegas or a big mm-hmm. concert hall? How is that different for you? I mean, do you have to? I mean, uh, you got. Where is it? Well. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the volume level is much louder. Yeah. You know, it's a big yeah. room, and yeah. you got to project. Uh, that's the main thing. You know, if you, when you play the smaller rooms, you really have to watch the volume, for starters. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. easy to over... Especially when you're dealing with electric instruments, which right. you are most of the time, because uh-huh. very few of these places have an acoustic piano. Arrivederci's right. does, and I yeah. enjoy that. They have a yeah. Yamaha, and he just tuned uh-huh. it, and that was... A pleasure to sit down uh-huh. to a real piano. Yeah. It is might, but just enough yeah. to be heard. But in a, so, in a in a huge room, you you have to reach, reach the second balcony, right? That's right. Uh, I wear in ear monitors, so the sound is is pretty direct. So it's uh-huh. uh, generally sounds the same to me because I'm not yeah. hearing acoustically what's going on in the gotcha. room. Gotcha, gotcha. Huh. But you know, I've huh. gotten used to it. Um, it feels like a recording session a lot of times with the in-ear monitors, or uh-huh. it's because like wearing headphones or something. Right. They're like, right, hey, right. I'm in the recording studio with Diana Ross. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically. Have you recorded with her? Uh, no, well, only TV shows and things like that. Yeah. In the st- yeah. only a few things. I d- we did right. a recording at A and M Studios, and uh-huh. uh, and I have been on her record, like from the Central Park things. There was a tune called uh, "We Are F- We," not "We Are Family." But right. Family or something uh-huh, like that, uh-huh. and that ended up on on one of her recordings. Mm-hmm. It was a live recording, but oh, mm-hmm. um, and of course I'm all over YouTube with her and right and stuff like right, that. Right, um, right. But oh. no, generally the producers, you know, hire session players, and yeah, and it's yeah, you know, yeah. people like Paul Schaefer, right? You know, all these right. yeah. New York and L.A. session players. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you who is on one of her recordings is. Uh, um, Eddie Martinez. Eddie Martinez you know, Eddie? is on everybody's recordings. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he's good friends with Nile Rodgers and sure. uh, the late, great uh, Bernard Edwards. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he was on, I think the recording was called Ross. I don't know ex- uh-huh. the exact songs, uh-huh. but uh-huh. yeah, Eddie Eddie is on. He's one of the nicest people I've ever oh, met. Oh, he's wonderful, yeah. He's amazing. Great, yeah. great musician. Yeah. 
I play his uh, tracks from his his new album. On I need my, to get it on my radio show and, and yep. the clubs and stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you you have any plans to record? Well, it's funny. I figured. I thought you'd ask this, and and. Well. Uh, <laughs> I've got four CDs out. Yeah. Of course, you know what the market for CDs are. Correct. These days. Correct. Uh, they're hard to sell, and I'm, I'm trying to sell what I have. If I do, I'll go through uh, the music that I have, uh-huh. original stuff, and, and yeah, I'd like to record some more. I don't see myself making a CD because of the mm-hmm. cost. Yeah. And it's almost impossible to recoup yeah. at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got a I got a, a, a uh, um, uh, an email today from a record a record company, and they're off they're not even offering CDs. They're they're selling right. it selling it as downloads only. Yeah. yeah, and I get these. It's funny. I'm sure my friend Dan Balmer gets these too. You know, right. you get these long lists. You get, you'll make like twenty three dollars, and it's, yeah. it's all these penny. Right. You know, from Spotify or right. <laughs> iTunes right. or whatever. Right. Hey, wow. Right. But, you know, hey, I'll uh-huh. take whatever. I'm happy. Well, have you ever thought of, I'm sure you've thought of it, but um, of doing a Diana Ross album? You mean me recording her songs? Yeah. Uh, I've done, well, actually, I did record one of her songs on my last record. Well, uh-huh. it's a Melissa Manchester song. But uh, if you, but if it were, they were all hers... You know, yeah, I mean, that, there's, there's, there's some there's some there's some good marketing there. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure how I would do that. Um, uh huh. I mean, just to do an instrumental instrumental version uh-huh. of her stuff, I don't know how interesting that would be. The lyrics oh, are to such you. A, you mean? Not to anybody, because the words are so important to the songs. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it'd have to be. I'd have to do something with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because just yeah. to re- improvise on it or reharmonize it or right. a different groove or something. Right, right. Uh, and then that would kind of limit it. Okay, so I did this song, Confide in Me, which uh-huh. she recorded. It's one of my favorite songs yeah. of hers because it's a kind of a jazz ballad. Uh-huh. And that was easy because it already has a jazz ballad component to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So Melissa Manchester, and I forget who wrote the lyrics. Nice song, though. And I did that pretty much verbatim how uh, Diana sung it, although I improvised on it a little bit, but such a beautiful song, it worked. The other one that I tried to record, but I don't think I was like, successful at it, it was uh, a tune called I'm Getting Ready for Love. Uh-huh. There again, nice chord changes, kind of lends itself to jazz. Uh-huh. You know, So I, I could see if I could get the right material uh-huh. I don't see myself doing baby love or stopping the name of love stuff Why? like that because I just don't think it'd be that interesting it needs the words interesting to who? you? to anybody it's, it's an, it's, an all time great hit I can't I mean I can see this the guy who's played with Diana Ross for 30 years here's his take on her, on, on, on her songs I mean, uh, bang, there you go. Yeah, but what would my take be? I mean, well, it would just be an instrumental version of the song. Yeah. Uh, which, what makes those songs, to me, interesting are, the, are her, first of all, her singing. Okay. And second of all, <laughs> the words. Uh-huh. You know, and I, I certainly wouldn't hire another singer. That would be ridiculous. I mean, I'm it, just thinking, if I saw that come across my desk, in my email box, that, and I, I didn't know who you were. And here is the, the guy's been playing with Diana Ross for thirty years, and here's his take on her stuff. I'm going like, oh, that sounds interesting. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think it sounds more interesting than it actually be, but you never know. I'll tell you what. If I ever do a demo of it, I'll play it for you. And if, you, if it's still past, if you don't fall asleep after the first minute, maybe we'll realize Well, I, I can't imagine falling asleep to, to, to your playing. Well, thank you. And especially with those songs. Yeah, you know? okay. I mean, you, you, got, you, got, you got some good things going there, you know? Yeah. Well, there, and, and, and I do like a lot of her songs. In fact, uh, some of them... Well, she gives me a solo on Touch Me in the Morning. Really? And it's funny, for years, I thought, it'd be nice to solo on some things other than the Billie Holiday things. And then she did open up that section. Uh Uh, So that was nice. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's not a jazz gig, but it's nice to have features on some of the the Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Yeah, yeah right. great songs are great songs. Well, exactly. And you know, uh, and if you're if if you're sitting there and and uh, you've got the solo, and, and do you improvise on that solo? I do. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably end up playing a lot of the same lyrics because certain, <laughs> certain things I know work on it. But right, but right, yeah, right, right. it's it's fun. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah, nice yeah. To, to do that. <laughs> but as I say. Uh, well, I am an improvising musician, so I think certain tunes would lend itself to that. And I would, I would like to combine what I uh-huh. do with what she does. Obviously, know. she likes what you do on that song. Well, I hope so. She well, hasn't told me, don't do that. I know, I know. <laughs> and you've been doing it for a long time, right? Well, it's interesting, you know, the guitar player... Well, the one previous to this would play a lot, the same solo every night, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And I remember an uh, interview with Herbie Hancock, and he, his guitar player, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? What the Headhunters? I can't yeah. think of his name now. Yeah. Would play the same solo on uh-huh. things. Uh-huh. And Herbie said, uh, my solos would kind of go in one ear and out the other to the audience. Uh-huh. But... This guy would do the same solo every night, and people responded to it. <laughs> and I think he found a solo that worked. You know, of course, Herbie's a creative musician, so yeah. he's going to vary it every night. But this yeah, guy yeah. was more of an R&B player. And, <laughs> uh, anyway, the audience doesn't know if it's, if it's right. a melodic solo right, that works, right. they're going to like it. I've told this story before, but I had Reggie Houston in here. Yeah, sure. Uh, right after, not too long after, well, after he had his period of mourning when Fats died. Oh, Fats oh yeah. he was in Fats. He played Barry in Fats. Oh, did he? for twenty years. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Anyway, so I the, 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 the great know. story was um, on Blue Monday. That's Herb Hardesty with that really bad um, baritone sax solo because oh. Herb was not a baritone player. Oh, oh, oh. he was a tenor player. He was. Oh, the, okay. He was the. He, him and Lee Allen were the tenor players in Fats Domino's band, right? Oh, okay. But when it came to um, uh, playing it live. They had to recreate it, so Reggie, they made they made the whoever was the, was Reggie or the baritone player before him sure. had to recreate the bad solo. And it was a joke among <laughs> people in the band that he had to play it that way. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because it made it to the record. Well, yeah. it's like the baritone yeah. solo on. Uh, I can sing it, but I'm trying to think of the name. Oh, baby, where did our love go? You know, the baritone saxophone player plays the solo uh, verbatim because yeah. that's what people know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because at Soundcheck, when we had a horn section, a great horn section from New York, uh-huh. the baritone player would go out to do the solo and all the other horn players would chime in and do the solo with him. <laughs> they all play it together. It's hilarious. <laughs> but oh, if, anyway. if people only knew, 
Yeah. <laughs> they didn't do it while she was there. No, I something. would think not. But, you know, I mean, it, it, um, if people only knew what, what went on, you know, yeah. behind the scenes in these, in these things, you know. These, uh, these horn players, by the way, uh, this guy Brad Mason and, and um, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, a great trumpet player from New York. Can't think of his name now. My mind's know. blank. Anyway, they're playing with people like Billy Joel and uh, uh-huh. Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and they're yeah. doing other things now. Did any of the Motown players ever uh, play on her gigs? Like the the original guys? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. No, they were. Because um, a lot of them were what deceased. Was his name? What was his name? The guitar player just just died this week. Oh, is Eddie, that right? Eddie Eddie Eddie. I'm just looking here. I can't find it. But anyway. It was Carl uh, Fisher. I was trying to think of a great trumpet player. He used uh-huh. to be with uh, Maynard Ferguson. He's, uh-huh. he's with Billy Joel now. But, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but these are, are great jazz players. You know, great yeah. everything. R&B, yeah. whatever. Right. You right. Know. Oh, let me ask you something. When, when she plays in concert, is there a tambourine player? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there would have to be, wouldn't there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's, especially on the Supreme stuff. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a, a, a period of time in Motown where it, it, everything had a tambourine on it. Well, the guy, the main guy that we use, and this is going to sound silly to you, but he's a tambourine, what well, they call it. They, they have another name for it in Brazil. It's not tambourine. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he's a master. Huh. Uh, once, when we were in Vegas, the bass player at the time, his, his son was going to... Um, you know, the local school there. He lived in Las Vegas. So he asked myself and the percussionist and a local guitar player to play for the kids at the... So the percussionist, all he brought was a tambourine. And I thought, oh, my God, what's he, what's he going to do with that? Tambourine? you got to be kidding me, you know? Man, I'm telling you, he, we traded back and forth. He was really? amazing. Wow. Yeah, Ron Powell is his name. Uh-huh. And... Uh-huh. Uh, Aside from Diana Ross, which he's still working, he plays with Kenny G. He used to play with uh, Sergio Mendez, and Sergio oh, would yeah. take him to these masters. So yeah. he was, you know, yeah, he'll play the Supremes tambourine <laughs> stuff, but, you know, if it's Brazilian music or, yeah. or, or yeah. Afro-Cuban or R&B, uh-huh. he's a master. Uh-huh. Plus, he does this thing where he can roll it behind his back. He does this whole shtick with the... Kenny G, you know, where uh-huh. he's doing yeah. a solo and he's right. throwing it up in the air and around <laughs> his back, but but he's great. I mean, he can really play. Did you ever hear that album that came out a few years ago where, where um, um, a bunch of, of uh, studio musicians in Brazil, they took a lot of um, uh, soul and R&B hits and they stripped out all the instrumentation, just left the vocals, and put all this Brazilian... No. Oh, it's great. It's oh, I'd great. love to hear Marvin that. Marvin Gaye and, and, and wow. Sly and the Family Stone, Aretha Franklin, actually Billie Holiday. Wow. Uh, uh, so uh, they Bill played Withers. in his Latin grooves. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah nice. I, You'd love that. Yeah, oh, I bet. I'll, I'll have to I'll, check I'll, it out. You will. Well, look, thank you so much for coming in. This My pleasure. Thank, terrific. Thanks for having me. And, and we'll put all your you know internet information up on the page here. Sounds good. Uh, is there anything uh, of yours that we could end this with that you could send me? Uh, certainly. Okay. Like a CD or whatever? No, or yeah, you, just a tune that we could tune, uh, I'll sure. just put on the end of this. We'll you, go out with it. You want me to send you an MP3 or something yeah. like that? Sure, absolutely. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, when we stop talking, that's what you'll hear. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. Thanks,